0: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. It's wonderful to see your faces. And wasn't this wonderful to celebrate the life change? We have it. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. I have missed a lot of things over the last 18 months that is probably at the top of the list uh, getting to see people be able to do that together celebrate that together as a body of Christ it's wonderful uh, so next week another really exciting piece of uh, news to share with you next week launches at the movies here at Brazos fellowship so we're excited yeah again we're so pumped and for those of you who don't know, that is a one of the biggest outreaches we do out of our whole year. And it's really kind of ironic because it's the middle of the summer in a college town, which is the time when everybody says, you know, uh, you know, the movie theaters have less show times, and everybody trims everything back. Right? Hours seem to cut back, and but we've just decided what can we do in the summer that could be a big outreach that could maybe help more people come to faith in the Lord and this at the movies thing has become almost like another Easter in the middle of the summer for us it's crazy when I share this with other uh, churches and other college towns they go what you what what's happening and uh I tell them what God does. It's amazing. It's just absolutely incredible. We see people's lives change every single year, and it's because you guys invite them. So once again, as the pastor of this church, I want to put it to you, please be open to this week, who can you invite? starting next weekend. I know it's the 4th of July, but you can come do your at the movies in the morning and catch your fireworks and all your 4th of July at night, right? This should not interfere. Bring your family, your friends, anybody, people that you live around, work around, invite people. We're not trying to proselytize out of other churches, although it's funny to me, I have people all the time say, hey, I go to such and such church, but I wouldn't miss at the movies, I'm like, well, that's great, but it's kind of funny. But it's awesome. I'm excited that people love it that much. But I also want you to know the reason we do it is not to try to get people out of other churches, but to get the people who don't go anywhere, which is the vast majority of our population in the Brazos Valley, to come and try, to come and hear, and to come and be exposed to the message of Jesus Christ. And every year that we do that, We've seen lives change every year. So we're excited to get to share that with you guys again this year. And I hope that you will take advantage of that. Invite people, invite them, invite them. We're going to have all kinds of goodies, the popcorn, the soft drinks and everything. It's like going to the movies on us. That's so, I mean, it's a no brainer right? Normally it would take probably $50 to $100, depending on how big your family is. Anyway, I'll stop talking about the movies. It's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, don't miss out. So we will see you here next weekend for At The Movies. Now, this weekend, we are going to wrap up a series that we've been in. I think this is our seventh week where we've been talking about this process of spiritual transformation into likeness. We started the whole thing with the very first message that Jesus ever publicly proclaimed and that is the kingdom of God has come it is at hand and it is open for you to be a part of so the first question we got to ask is if we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God what is God's number one desire for us in his kingdom what what does he want what is what do we need to do what is the agenda what is the objective what's the mission and very simply put it's Christ likeness Christ-likeness. He desires to make us into a reflective image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, everybody's reflection of Jesus is going to look a little different because every person is a little bit different, but we should begin to take on the character qualities of Jesus. Now, that may sound like a whole lot of legalistic work, but it's not, okay? It is a cooperative effort alongside the Spirit of God Almighty. Through his word at work within our heart, God wants to transform us. He wants to first start with transforming our minds, which will drift down into our emotions, our feelings, and our feelings impact to a large degree our decision-making or our will, our heart, and then it goes external. It goes into our body. Our bodies must be transformed because our bodies have built in desires and appetites and drives and yearnings, right, that need to be disciplined and trained. This is why over and over you see, must train our bodies to do righteousness. And then finally, last week we talked about it goes outside of our body even and it moves into the social dimension of us connecting with other people and our relationships. That in our connections with other people, those also, the dynamic of how we interact with each other within our marriages and our, our siblings, our mother and fathers, our, our coworkers, friends, you name it, everybody ought to be revolutionized and informed by who Jesus is. So we talked about that last week. And now this week, I want to bring it all together and say, what does it look like to live each day, to live your life as a child of light? As Paul would say, children of light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, here's how he put it. He says, for you were once darkness. Now notice he doesn't say you had darkness or there was some darkness in your life, you were a part of the problem. <laughs> you were a part of it. But now, you are light in the Lord, right? That when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he's talking to those who are, they, they, they are the disciples that are apprentices of Jesus, we call them Christians, we would call them children of God, all interchangeable for the same thing. He says, but now you are light. Even Jesus told his disciples, you are the light of the world. Like, I'm gonna use you to illuminate who I am all over the place, all right? You are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light. This is a command that you should be living progressively more each day, day after day, as a son or daughter of the Most High God to emanate to reflect the light of Christ's likeness, that you reflect that into the world, that it is part of his glory. Glory literally just means to it's the true nature of who God is ought to be shown through our nature. It ought to be reflected through our lives. So let's talk about, this is what I want to share with you over the next few minutes, is a vision. It's going to have to be, because I only have A short period of time. It's going to be kind of a concise vision, but it is a vision nonetheless of what it means to be a child of light, and you will, some of these things I'm going to talk about, you'll go, oh, I know somebody like that. I've seen some of that in other people, or I hope that's starting to happen for me, and maybe this will spur a conversation between you and your spouse or best friend or somebody in your life that you could say, hey, how am I doing? You tell me, like, here's what it's supposed to look like. But I want you to see, as we go through this, we're gonna look at these five components of the self, or five components of the soul. This is what the soul is made up. The soul is the totality of who you are. We see that this Greek word uh, in the New Testament used as soul, like in uh, Acts chapter two, where it says 3,000 souls were added to their number that, were, that, were, that became followers of Jesus Christ. That was the totality of who they were It was their soul. So today we look at these five components of your soul. I want you to see that this is not a picture of perfection that's going to discourage you because I think it would be easy for somebody to walk away and say that was really discouraging. I don't want that. That is not my prayer. That's not my hope today. But it is an encouraging picture of something to shoot for that is absolute and complete freedom in Jesus Christ. That it is seeing Christ realized and his word realized within our life when Paul says I have been crucified with Christ I no longer but Christ lives in me he wasn't just talking about a metaphor he means the spirit of Jesus within us to manifest who Jesus really is in and through us in a living way this is not some religious set of beliefs that you just accept. It is a living God that wants to be alive in you to live every day, every moment. Right now as I'm talking to you, he craves to allow, for you to allow him to have full access to you so that he can use you for his glory, to bless you, to help your life fulfill his great divine purpose and meaning for your life. So, without further ado let's dive in. Where do we get started on this transformation process? We start right up here with our thoughts. and we talk about someone who is a child of the light or children of light, one thing that we'd say about their thoughts is that their thoughts have been trained to go often towards God. They love to dwell upon the Lord. David talked about it like this, that I dwell upon your law both day and night. And later in the Psalms, he says, even through the watches of the night, I wake up and I think about you, God. You're always here. And I've trained my mind to be ever-present with you like that. And it's beautiful. And this is what a, someone who is a child of light, that they think about God, and they recognize him. They see him. They see him in nature. They see his hand at work without, throughout history. They see his hand and manifestation of God working in and through Jesus Christ and his ministry. They see that power. They see him working in other believers in their lives. But To say that they dwell upon God and they are their mind and their thoughts are filled with God doesn't mean that somehow they have this pie in the sky, unrealistic view of the world. No. They are, maybe have one of the most, arguably the most realistic view of the world and the evil that's contained therein because they really see the evil but they choose not to dwell on it because they know its defeat is certain before God and they also know That they need to bring their thoughts back to God, to dwell upon God, to think about his greatness. And it is in the the thoughts of his greatness that they feel their heart, their mind, their soul filled with God's power and his presence. And there is a courage, and there is a faith, and there is a hope that comes from no other place. And this is what the apostle Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, when he wrote this. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable. He goes on to say, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, let's say this next word together, ready? Think about such things. Dwell on, concentrate on the things of God. And God's word very much falls in the category all the way from true to praiseworthy, all and everything in between. That is always going to be a powerful component of someone who is serious about the spiritual transformation into likeness and becoming a child of light, okay? So let me just say this. You must, if this is something you are seriously looking to take on you're embarking on this I want this journey with God I want him to transform my life here's something you have it is not optional right you must begin to meditate on and I would even go so far as to say to memorize God's word into your life you need it I need it we all need it now you may be saying "Well, well I haven't done that ever or I haven't done it since I was like in vacation Bible school when I was about five years old. I can't remember hardly any scriptures and I'm not sure my mind is cut out for it. I'm telling you, it is. And God will help you do it. And if you're wondering, where should I start? Let me tell you a place you could start. Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. This is the Lord's Prayer. Now many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may have memorized it in a version, maybe like the King James version of the Bible. Uh, which isn't bad, but I would encourage you to maybe to make it fresh, maybe memorize it in a more current English translation, maybe the ESV or NIV or one of those like that, and go back and just let it be fresh and anew to your mind and heart and think about each line. Marinate on it. Meditate on it. Meditatively go through it. I truly believe Jesus intended for his followers to pray this prayer Daily. It's, the hint is right in the middle of the prayer. Give us today our daily bread, right? I don't think he would have meant if we were supposed to pray it only once a month, he'd say give us our monthly bread or our weekly bread but, or our annual bread. No, daily. I, I think there was something powerful about kind of hearkening back to the children of Israel going through the wilderness that he he brought the manna daily. He brought the quail daily. He brought he, he fed them. He took care of them. He wants a daily, ongoing, current day everyday kind of relationship with us this is very powerful another one if you've got that one memorized maybe move into psalm 23 it's one that a lot of people know you've heard it uh, but there are so many beautiful promises especially when you are being attacked you're going through hard times dark times dark valley of the shadow of death kind of moments you need to know where is god right now and what can i trust and what can i believe That is such a beautiful psalm for those kinds of moments. And even if you think, I don't know if I can memorize it just yet, that's okay. Put it on a note card. Just put it somewhere where you can meditate on it, read over it. Put it in the car, on the window, in the mirror, in your bathroom, wherever you are. Somewhere where you're going to slow down, by the toilet, I don't know, whatever. But somewhere where you're going to have to stop and read it every once in a while. But I'm telling you, it has such incredible power. Here's what happens, spiritually speaking, the dynamic. When you bring God's word into your mind and into your heart, it floods the dark places with light. And here's the thing we know about light. That every time you walk into a dark room and you flip on the lights, the darkness has to leave. It always loses to light. There's not even a close fight there, right? that when we flood our mind with the light of God's word, it pushes and displaces out this darkness that is constantly trying to invade and pervade our hearts and our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions that are coming at us from every different angle in our society and social media. You need to shut that off and listen to God. Hear what he has to say. And I know what I'm telling you is so countercultural. Some of you are going, I'm never going to do that. That's unfortunate, and it breaks my heart, because you will have to pay the price. Don't be that person. Open your heart up. Make the time. It's so powerful. Uh, think about it this way, too. It's another great example. When Jesus was in the wilderness, right before his public ministry, this, he felt that this, the need, this needed to happen right now. He went out into the wilderness for 40 days, fasted, no food, 40 days. And it says, and he became hungry. Well, I'll say, I would have been hungry about halfway through the first day. But anyway, (laughs) hungry, yes. Wow. Can you imagine? This is an understatement. I bet he was very, 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 very hungry. And it says, then Satan himself came to him to tempt him. And he tempts him three times. Jesus only has one line of defense against Satan himself, and it was the scripture he had memorized. The darkness had to flee. He could not, could not come against God's word, his truth, and his power. Jesus is showing us something really powerful here that gets overlooked. We think, oh, that's so pious, that's so antiquated, that's so old, nobody does that anymore. I'm telling you, it works. It's powerful, it has radically changed my life. And I want to encourage you, make it a part of yours. And when you do it, you will find you're taking steps towards being more fully engulfed with the light of God and becoming a child of light. It's powerful. Here's the next portion or the next dimension of who we are. It's our feelings. A child of light is someone who, if we had to pick one emotion that predominantly defines who they are, it is love. It's love. They love other people, and they love their own life and who they are, and they are intensely thankful to God for their lives, even when it is difficult because they have come to a place of understanding that even in this difficulty, even in this struggle that I'm going through right now, God is going to use it whether he intended for this to happen or he permitted it to happen because it's come by way of sin of someone else. Sometimes that happens, but God's saying, don't you worry, I will use it anyway in your life. And if you will trust me, I can leverage it to transform you into further Christ-likeness. And this is what they have learned, that they're able to hold on to, this is so uncanny, they can hold on to things like joy and peace in the middle of persecution that is unjust. Did you hear what I said? They can go through times where other people are treating them like garbage and they don't deserve it and they can have an amazing attitude. They're children of light because they don't put their faith and hope and trust in someone else's behavior. They put it in their God. They put their hope in Him. They trust in Him. And it allows them to, uh, instead of indulging in those moments in rejection and failure and hopelessness, which just leads to a downward spiral into depression, anxiety, and self-destruction. This happens all the time to people. But if it will start back, because they have learned something, they've learned how to train their minds to put it, set it on God and to dwell on Him and not to fixate on all of the trials and, 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 and tribulations and difficulties and struggles that they're going through and how people are treating them. When you focus there, darkness will begin to invade. But when you put it on the Lord, oh my goodness, He will raise you up in the middle of the the hardest storms you've ever been through. He will raise you up, and he will set your feet on the mountain. It's beautiful. Few are willing to do it. Let's talk about the three pervasive um, emotions that define a person of light, a child of light. It's love, joy, and peace. So let me define each of these. First, love. Love is willing the good of another for their own sake, I give you this definition because we have a world today, a culture that radically has tried to redefine love for us. It does not mean this anymore. People talk about love, oh, I love her, love him, love, 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 right? Really what they're saying is desire, lust, right? That's a really different thing. Well, I, 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 uh, people say they love things all the time. I love hot cookies right out of the oven but not to will the good for their own sake but to devour them right i want to eat them i want to consume them and this is how many people look at relationships with oh man i love her i love him because she's hot he's hot right That's not willing the good for someone else's own sake because they're made in the image of God. That is a dead end. You in a relationship like that, this is why so many marriages ended the way they do. They didn't come in, they they say express love and Sally's flowery language at a a wedding ceremony. But the deep down, I will will the good for you no matter what it takes because you are an image bearer of the almighty God god that's love and that's the way jesus taught us to love one another john tells us this in first john chapter four he says we love because he first loved us he initiated love he it was the catalyst that got it started and we follow his lead so powerful this is how we know what love is next is joy joy And joy is knowing that you are secure even in times of suffering and even in times of loss, that you can know that you are secure. And there's a joy in that. The night before Jesus' trial and crucifixion, he's gathered together with his disciples and some other believers. And he tells them in John 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches and if you will abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Like, our relationship with each other, your relationship with God should be as tightly woven together as a branch is to a tree trunk. Like, the fibers should be so hardly and and so um, decidedly and confidently woven together, you got to get a chainsaw to separate this. And of course, Jesus says that if you are in me and I am in you, that no one can separate you from the love of God. No one, no one, no one. And he says, and if you are willing to be in me and I in you, there will, you will bear much fruit. And one of the primary fruits that he's talking about is the spiritual fruit of joy, of being secure, no matter what happens, whether it's suffering or loss. And he goes on to say this in verse 11. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my, let's say it together, my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Like, you're full up to the top. Anything that overflows is like, that's all I can handle. That is all I can hold. I am full. And Jesus says, if you will focus on abiding in me, you will have joy that people cannot even understand. And you will have it in the middle of circumstances that do not make sense to other people. And you are free in a way that other people are not. It's so powerful. And the final component of this feeling dimension is peace, it's peace. And peace is simply this internal, deep internal rest that is a result of confident assurance about the way things are gonna turn out. It is a deep, hear it again, deep inner peace, a deep inner rest, rather, of the confident assurance about the way things will turn out. In other words, it is trusting God, hear this, with outcomes. All outcomes of your life, the outcome of your marriage, the outcome of your finances, your career, your kids, your spiritual life. It is trusting God with all of these things. And can I just tell you, this has been one of those places for the last 18 months, if I can be just so honest, real, transparent, confessional right now, God has been hammering on me hardcore on this one because I have worried about the outcome of this coronavirus pandemic, what it's gonna do, not just to our church, but to all the churches. It has been, it's been all heavy on my heart, but God has taught me to have peace in the middle of it, to give it back to him, trust him, trust him daily, giving it back to him, and he gives me my daily bread to make it one day at a time, one day at a time. One day. I'm just being really honest with you right now. It has been hard. I don't know about you guys, but I've worried a little bit. All right, I wish I would say I didn't worry at all. I, no, no, never worry. But I did, and I do sometimes. And, we're, and, and I'm still trusting, I mean, we're still climbing out of a financial hole that we're in. And, and, and we're gonna get there, and I'm gonna keep doing my part, you keep doing your part, and God is gonna take care of it. He has assured me, like, the, he is going to make things turn out according to his plan, and he can give you a piece for your situation too. That's the only reason I share that with you today that he gives a peace not like this world gives. In John chapter 14, verse 27, here's what he says. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. The world's peace is just the absence of conflict. Jesus is saying, I can give you peace even in the middle of conflict. I can help you face it with love, joy, peace, And it can be an amazing moment of transformation for you and for those who are willing to listen. He says, do not let your hearts be, let's say these words together, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Isn't that the place that our heart wants to go in the middle of uncertainty and difficulty and perceived failure or perceived hopelessness? We think, we feel that way in the moment, and we want to go to these places. And he says, don't do it. He says, I'm leaving this peace with you. Isn't this interesting that Jesus was just about to be tried and crucified? But he's saying, the thing I'm going to leave with you that cannot be taken away is my peace. It is like an inheritance. It's already loaded in the account at the bank. All you have to go down, do is go down there and get some of it, all right? And some of you are like penniless, can't pay your bills in the area of peace. And Jesus is saying, there's a full account right here. All you got to do is tap into it. And I can help you to have a confidence that you do not now have. But you have to trust me. You have to trust me. Your feelings can be transformed as a child of light. And here's the third one. It's our will or our heart. A child of God, or a child of light rather, is one who says, I am ready to do whatever the will of God is, what is good and right in any current situation. In other words, I don't have to be first. Children of light don't have to get their way. They have come to this, aha, amazing realization. I don't run the universe. What makes me think that I should assume to have my way? There's nothing that guarantees me I'm going to get my way. As a matter of fact, if anything Jesus teaches us, the real blessing is blessing other people with helping them get theirs, helping to bless them and help them what they need. And this is what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I love this. He says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, Or vain conceit. But rather, I'd like us to read this statement together. But rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Now, let's just think about that for a minute. In humility, value others above yourself. Now, in humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less, okay? It's just putting other people first. It's willing to to see the real blessing is being able to bless someone else and in humility, value others above yourself. Do not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. To the others. It's being willing to say, I surrender my will to yours, God, and I want to help bless other people. And there's this incredible promise, this incredible blessing that we're given in Scripture too. 2 uh, Chronicles 16, nine, tells us this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts or their will are fully committed to him. There is a strength, there is a confidence that God wants to give you when his eyes that search the whole, it's searching right now. He's right here in this room. He's looking around the room right now. Who's willing to say, yes, God, my will is submitted to yours. And would you use me to bless other people? Would you help me to meet needs around me? That's what ministry is. Christian ministry is simply meeting needs in the name of Jesus. Anybody can do this. It's not complicated. It's just a decision of our will to say, I'm gonna step into the light and be your child in this situation. So powerful. Here's the fourth dimension. It's our body, our body. Children of light, their bodies are poised to do what is right, what is good what is righteous in any current situation. It's being willing to, um, they have gone through the the, the, the process of practicing and training their body, as Paul would say, just like a professional athlete would train his or her body for the Olympic Games, they would train their bodies for righteousness, In other words, they don't get caught or embarrassed by junk that flies out of their mouth or things that they do without thinking because they've trained themselves that their knee-jerk reaction, what they they are going to do without thinking, is loving and is kind and that they are willing to pump the brakes and say, okay, if Jesus was me in this situation, what would he do? What would he have me do right now? And I'm going to, instead of just giving in to my initial physical responses and desires and longings and cravings and lusts, I'm going to surrender and submit to God. Now, at first, that's going to feel weird, but after a while, it becomes second nature surrendering and and working in conjunction and in harmony with the Spirit of God can become so intuitively, instinctually, uh, like second nature to you. It can be such a beautiful and powerful part of who you are. And um, it's a process of putting guardrails around the areas of your life where you know the temptation is the greatest to disobey God. You know, you think about guardrails for our cars when you're going around like a really dangerous turn and you've got your family in the car. Like, a wise person, where would you put the guardrail? Do you come over here right on the edge and you go, okay, yeah, let's see if we can't try to somehow, you know, adhere it to the side of the mountain. That's a foolish place to put a guardrail, right? Like, for me, I'm like, okay, we're gonna put the guardrail like over here somewhere. That's smart, where are you being tempted right now? Where are you not just being tempted, but you are being schooled. You are being turned into a slave. You are a slave to the sin. You are a servant to it. You just do whatever it says. Come back over here. Put a guardrail. Get somebody that's going to hold you accountable. This is going to take some courage. You've got to be honest with some people. You've got to get that junk out of your house. You've got to clean up your computer and get the stuff off of there. Get Covenant Eyes or some other program that you have absolute accountability for where you're going on your websites with somebody you can trust. You do something like that because you will not become a child of light until you do. You will continue to be a prisoner, a slave to sin, as, as Jesus called it don't be a slave to it any longer. He has come to set the captives free. This is what he came for. I love it. So the body, he tells us in Romans 12:1, Paul does, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This word holy here literally means to set apart for the things of God to set apart, put a guardrail around it, and say, this is for you, God. And he's saying, do it with your body. Do it with your body. Do that with your body. Put a guardrail around it, it's so powerful. Here's the fifth of the dimensions. It is the social dimension, or the social relationships that we share with other people. This is children of light, in their social dimension, they don't play games. They don't try to manipulate people. They're real, they're honest, they're transparent. There's an easiness about them. They're just who they are. They aren't trying to be somebody else. How refreshing is that, right? They're, 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 you don't, they don't ever come off self-righteous or condemning. They're not easily offended by other people's political views or any other views or whatever. They don't walk around like that. Now, they look for opportunities to love. Now, love sometimes involves speaking truth that the other person may or may not want, like to hear it, but we say it with love. In John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, Jesus said this He says, A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, my apprentices my followers, my children, if you love one another. This one thing, this will define you to the whole world. Everyone, he says, will know. Love. I love this old story. Let me just share it real quick. By Billy Graham. This was way back during the Clinton administration. He was invited to a presidential dinner at the White House. And he went, and this was right at the time when Bill Clinton was going through trials and Was being just completely, uh, you know Proven to be guilty of all the things he said he wasn't doing With the intern And he's sitting right next to Bill and Hillary at this dinner And tried to be kind and loving to them They got in the car and his daughter Gigi was a teenager at the time She said, Dad, that's got to be so hard I couldn't hardly even talk to him. This was just so hard And he said, Yeah, Gigi, you're right. It is really hard. But here's what we need to remember in these kinds of moments it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it is Jesus' job to judge, and it is our job to love. To love. And that doesn't mean we don't have difficult conversations sometimes, that we don't bring up truth and that we need to have the conversation, but we do it in love. They need to know we have compassion, that we really love them. It's so powerful and so important that we live that way with other people. So here's the question I want to ask you before we pray and we dismiss. Which of these five dimensions of the soul describes what you would most like to see today? What, what, what you believe God has put on your heart that you need to start working on and change. Don't try to take on all five. It's too much. Pick one, right? Pick one. Maybe it's learning to, your thoughts to dwell upon God. Maybe it's learning to get control of those feelings that start to downward spiral into fear and hopelessness and failure and rejection that starts to happen to you. Maybe it's your will and your body working together that you want to begin to to practice and train your body to stop just giving in to your impulses of your flesh and saying and doing things that are totally contradictory to being a child of light, of being a follower of Jesus. Or maybe it is learning how to ask God to show you how to love other people by putting them first and learning how to humble yourself and to elevate people above your own agenda. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.